Between the wet nose and kind eyes, there's a lot going on in your dog's mind. But do you know your dog's purpose? We'll find out on this episode of Live Happy Now. The ancient Greeks defined happiness as the joy you feel moving towards your potential. To think about positive psychology, it's a science. And it's actually younger than the Internet, believe it or not. The reality is that social connection is, in the research, the greatest predictor we have of long-term happiness. You have some factors in your control that can promote the health and resilience and growth of your absolutely most important asset, which is your brain. And so it all comes down to understanding ourselves. There's a way for all of us to succeed, but, but it might take different things. We're all looking for the same thing, and that's a way to bring a little bit more joy to our day. Join us as we look at the many different paths that lead us to that happy place. This is Live Happy Now. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Live Happy Now podcast. I am your host, J.R. Houston, and I am very pleased to be hosting yet another episode of this podcast, the Live Happy Now podcast. Happy that you are making us a part of your day, wherever you are in the world, and however you may be listening. Now, we also want you to make Live Happy Magazine a part of your day. You can get the print edition available wherever fine magazines are sold. You can also get a digital edition, and we really encourage you to do that because you can take it with you on the go. It's available on Apple devices. It's also available in the Google Play Store, and you can get it on your phone, so you really can take it everywhere you go. Well, we're excited about this guest because the film has done tremendously well, opening in theaters recently. The film is A Dog's Purpose. The author of the book on which that movie is based is joining us on this episode. Bruce Cameron began his writing career as a humor columnist for the Denver Rocky Mountain News. Now, sadly, the Rocky went out of business, but he assures us that wasn't his fault. He's eventually award winner for humor was the 2011 NC, or rather, NSNC, a newspaper columnist of the year, and the novel A Dog's Purpose spent 52 weeks on the New York Times bestseller list, and of course, DreamWorks developed it into a film currently in theaters across the country. Well, Bruce, we are very excited to have you here, and I know that uh, my wife, who is a incredibly huge dog person, she is excited to see this movie. We haven't seen it yet. She's a- as excited for this movie as I was for like Star Wars or the Super Bowl or something. So I'm sure you've got <laughs> I'm sure you've got a lot of uh, a lot of uh, dog folks who are who are just excited to see this film come out. Yeah, it has been, it has been great. I, I think that. The popularity of the concept is really what what it starts with. With the book, A Dog's Purpose, and then, of course, the adaptation, it, it stuck true to the basic roots, the basic concept. And, and it's about big things and profound things and moving things, like our our real friends are always here for us and uh, true love never dies. Things sure. that we know are valid, but uh, seeing them on the big screen can be very moving. Well, originally, as I was looking at this, I said, oh, we're going to have Bruce Cameron on. He wrote uh, A Dog's Purpose. And I thought, well, my dog's purpose is to uh, take my spot on the couch and alert me to every rainstorm at 3 a.m. But you explore much (laughs) deeper uh, themes than than that. It's really kind of about uh, uh, companionship and all those sorts of things and, and, and finding your true purpose and meaning. But how did this story come about for you? You know, uh, the, the story itself had a purpose. I was driving up the 101 one very dark night with a woman that I had recently met and was, uh, let's just say, very interested in. <laughs> Her name was Catherine, and she had she had lots of dogs. She had a dog as an and as an adult, never as a child, and so uh, she had lost a dog. And waves of grief would just hit her like a tsunami. And you know how that is when you when you have to say goodbye to your friend. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, we, whenever we adopt a dog, we know we're setting ourselves up for one very bad day. And she had had that day, and it would still haunt her. And she turned to me and she said, "I will never have another dog." And this was bad news to me because uh, I thought this Catherine person was kind of special, and that maybe we were we were going to have a relationship. But I didn't want to give up dogs. Right. Seeking <laughs> uh, a way to comfort her, and I was seeking a way to kind of persuade her that actually, no, what her dog would have wanted more than anything was for her to get another dog. That a dog's real purpose is to be with us, and they think that we need dogs. They really believe that about humans. And so I, I said, well, let me tell you a story. That's how I make my point. I, I, tell, I tell stories. And I mm-hmm. told her the story of a dog who reincarnates, remembering previous lives. And, uh, and it did. It worked. It, it actually, by the time I was finished with it, there were, there were tears in her eyes. Uh, and she did feel better. And she agreed that we could get a dog. Well, very good. It's so mission accomplished, <laughs> and now it's it's yeah. it's, it's blossomed into a, a, a best selling book and a, and a film. And this story, and I don't want to give too much away because I want people to read the book and to go see the film. But you mentioned it. He starts out as a, as a feral puppy, and he's picked up, and and uh, he he's put down in the shelter, and and then he goes on and meets each each time that he reincarnates, he thinks he's he's found his purpose. Uh, but it, it just keeps going until it resolves very nicely in the end. How did you get in that mindset? Was this something that you've wanted to believe happens for all of us for a long time? Or or, or how did this, I guess, how did this idea flow so freely, so nicely for you? Well, I have to say it was a real gift that uh, when I write a book, I put it together. It's, it's really, it's sweating blood over every turn of plot and every character uh, this one didn't happen like this. This book, A Dog's Purpose, flowed into me like streaming video. I wow. saw the whole story lay out before me in one solid chunk, which has never happened to me before or since. It felt truly divinely inspired. And uh, so when I told Catherine the story, it wasn't three or five minutes worth of talking about it. It wasn't an elevator pitch. It was a story with scenes, with characters, with action and, and dialogue. I talked for probably an hour and a half oh. uh, and just acting the thing out as it just flowed through me like electricity. It was a wonderful experience and uh, one that I, you know, I'd love to have that happen again someday just because the, the sheer uh, sense that there was some, something going on here that was bigger than me was, was really cool. And you've been a writer, a creative type, uh, for a long time. You wrote for the, as we mentioned earlier, you wrote for the Denver Rocky Mountain News. Uh, Eight Simple Rules was was your thing as well. But this was the first time you say that that creativity just it just all hit you at once, or or is that something? I mean, that's that's incredible because I'm sure that's a a feeling that you were wanting your whole life leading up to it too. That's absolutely that's uh, well, and then. You know, the story gets better because uh, she, uh, the woman, Catherine, who likes the story so much, she married me. Well, there uh, you go. She, yeah, so it worked. She turned, she she had me say it into a recorder so that I wouldn't lose it. So I pulled out my trusty pocket recorder and I recorded the whole thing again, like a one-man show, doing all <laughs> of the dialogue and the scenes and everything. And uh, she said, you know, you, you have to write that as a book. 
then I wrote it as a book and it went out into the world and it was like, well, it's a reincarnated dog. We don't know if we really want to do something like that. It, was, it got kicked around for a while. Finally, a publisher picked it up, uh, came out with it with very low expectations, very little ad budget or marketing or anything. And it hit the New York Times list right out of the box and surprised everybody. They sold out the first printing, boom, so fast that I didn't even, <laughs> I had to buy a first edition for myself off of eBay. Oh my goodness! So it, uh, it just, yeah. So and then the book was a New York Times bestseller for 52 weeks, uh, and then uh, back in uh, like around October, it started to pick up sales again as word of the movie came out, and of course it got back to number one on the New York Times bestseller list, number one on the USA Today list. So all this stuff happened, to, all coming from this one drive up the coast and this one odd inspiration that uh, came to me. That's that's an incredible story. I think it, you mentioned that you didn't get much marketing and, and those sorts of things. I think it's because as you look at the book and you look at the at the basic plot points, number one, it's a dog. And I think most people in the United States, like we can all relate to have having had a pet of some kind that really had an impact on our lives. I mean, whether it was a dog or a cat or what have you, just a trusty companion that's always there for you and loves you unconditionally. I think that's an incredibly relatable thing. Do you agree? Oh, absolutely. I think that we can all, anybody who's had a dog and the last survey I showed uh, said that 75% of Americans either have a dog or have had a dog in their lifetime. Uh, so if you're one of the 75%, you know the experience of having this bundle of joy and, and optimism and love come into your life. And, and then it, it does feel like you create a special bond with that animal. Absolutely. And that connection can elevate your happiness in so many ways. They're there for you when things are going bad. They're, they love to see you no matter what kind of day you've had. I think a lot of people will relate to that, as well as the ongoing theme of the book, the reincarnation, the trying to find our purpose through the eyes of a of this lovable dog that that you've got this character oh, yeah. you've created, I remember when I I remember when I was a snotty teenager and my sisters were snotty teenagers and we'd be sitting on the floor of the living room watching television and my dad would come trudging home from a long day at work and uh, we would we would barely turn to look at him but the dog would jump up and run over to say hi yeah <laughs> uh, you know. So I, I was surprised when my father passed away that he didn't leave all the money to his dogs because he really <laughs> he really got a got a lot more love out of them. You know, I tried to redeem myself later in life, but uh, you know, we're all we've all been teenagers. We all kind of get what happened. And and the 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 dog. I'm not even sure how to refer to the dog. Is if it's Toby or Bailey or or you know whichever name That's you want right. to add to it. It but. is. It's really difficult, and it's and of course it's a two book series, so the life of the dog continues in the second book. And sure, and, uh, uh, I would urge anybody who hasn't yet seen the movie to uh, go get the book and read it first, because what I'm hearing from people is if you're sitting there in the in the audience and you have read a dog's purpose, a dog's journey, you're going to get a lot more out of the movie than if you're sitting there in the audience. Uh, just watching it cold. It just there's just so much they, that we had to cut out of the screenplay in order to be able to make it uh, a, a watchable length. Sure, that was I was going to ask that too. Is are there elements of a dog's journey in this one, or are we saving it for a sequel, or or what? 
You know, I think I, I, I think not. Uh, <laughs> and the way I say it a little tentatively is that at one point the screenplay had a few elements in there from uh, the, the second book in the series, A Dog's Journey. But I think uh, in the end, wisdom prevailed. For one thing, uh, if if the movie continues to do really well, A Dog's Purpose continues to uh, attract audiences, then uh, there's every indication that we would make a dog's journey, and I'll be I'll be back on your show. Well, that would be fantastic. I know uh, our local uh, theater chain would be getting a lot of money uh, from us to go see that movie again as well. So I can I can guarantee you at least thirty two dollars if you make another <laughs> if you make another <laughs> installment because I will have well, to go there you see go. them. Uh, That's how you do this. <laughs> I mean, uh, we do this podcast, and, and it's fun for me always to see, you know, when people appreciate what we've done here. Uh, I've done radio shows before, and it's always nice to hear, oh, hey, I heard you the other morning, and I like this. It was great. You've had yeah. two things you've written now become not only – you've had a lot of things published as a writer, but now you've had a, a TV show made out of Eight Simple Rules. You've got uh, this movie coming out of A Dog's Purpose. What is that feeling like? Because I know when you make a thing and people appreciate it, the happiness level is is fantastic. You've seen these things blow up. How, how What's that process yeah. like for you? I would say that the most rewarding piece of this whole thing is day one on the set. When, uh, when I walk onto the set and I see all these people who have jobs, because I came up with an idea. All these people who are working, the gaffers, the grips, the people that are serving food, even the, you know the PAs, the people that are running around, the drivers, uh, the camera people, and of course the actors, none of them would be there if it weren't for my idea. And that is a, that is a particularly rewarding feeling. I, I can imagine so. I mean, you, you've, I guess you really never think about you. You kind of drop that pebble in the pond. Like you said, it started with a, a story to try to make your, your future wife feel better uh, about her lost dog. And now here are all these people that are making money doing something they love because of that one night. That's an incredibly profound uh, thing to think about. Yeah, it really was. It was, it, it, it's just the greatest feeling. And, you know, and then as for the rest of it, I mean, there, there is, um, uh, there's something going on with me where my profession is writing and uh, I'm an author and a screenwriter and a television writer uh, a lot. Of, so, so in the, there are some ways in which it's, it's a little bit like asking a, you know, a baseball player, well, well you know, it, it must've been amazing when you finally got called up into the big leagues. Yes. It's amazing. And what you worked for your whole life. But on the other hand, you always saw yourself as a baseball player Right. So it doesn't seem like this bolt out of the blue, like it might seem to some other people who maybe have aspired to do stuff, but haven't, you know, they haven't put in the time, they haven't written a screenplay or whatever, and they just would like to see it happen someday. Right. And that's the maybe a difference. Yeah. Well, and, and there's there's a, a guy uh, you probably have heard of him. His name is Chris Hardwick. He hosts everything um, on every TV channel. He's on everywhere. But his big thing on the on their uh, program, the Nerdist podcast, is make a thing, and and you never know where that can take you. But you've yeah. kind of you've kind of got to have a little bit of experience to know how to to put that thing together. You can't just be like me. 
uh, radio guy. I'm probably not going to write a hit novel my first time out. I've got to learn some things about the business. What uh, what advice do you have yeah. for other people who are who are trying to make something like this happen for for them? Uh, wow. Well, uh, I guess my biggest advice is <clears throat> that uh, I think it's Malcolm Gladwell that talked about that something that experts had in common with each other, uh, no matter what the field, no matter what they were doing. And that was that they had about 10,000 hours practice in whatever mm. it was, even you know, being a basketball player or a surgeon, a veterinarian, 10,000 hours. And so I would say to anyone who's aspiring, who's setting out, don't be too impatient because you need to get your 10,000 hours in. And uh, I wrote uh, nine unpublished novels before I sold my first book. That took me most of my uh, adult life. Yeah. So I, uh, I, I went, you know, some people say, well, how come you didn't learn from your mistake and <laughs> go into a different <laughs> field? But I guess I was just too stubborn. Yeah. But also, uh, you know, along the way, I got, I got enough, I got some real practice in after you've, after you've written three or 400 pages, you know, five, six times, and you're, you're starting, you're starting to get into the rhythm of it, and understand where you are in the process and say at page 200, I need to rethink things. You know, you can really be, I can be so much more efficient now and so much better at my craft because I've done it enough time. Yeah, you've put in you've put in the practice, and you've you've seen what works for you and and what doesn't work for you. Um, there's yeah. there's a, a another famous comedian that I was listening to on a podcast recently, uh, Louis Anderson, who talked about uh, the process. I guess to 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 achieve your dream is sort of like getting in line at a theme park, and you see like this line is just it's going to take forever to get on the teacups. So you just you bail on it, yeah. and you get out of there. And he said, that's kind of what this is like, is once you get in line, you've kind of got to stick it out if you want to get there. Because there will be a bunch of people that will just drop out, and then suddenly, oh, this line is moving forward. And I can sort of, you know, it, it takes time, but eventually the ride is worth it. Is that is that uh, a similar thing that you found in, in your work, in your career? You know, it's a similar thing, except for you. I would say that in Louis. Uh, I, I get to call him Louie because I met him once. It's not like, <laughs> yes. it's not like we're, we're not friends. We don't go to lunch or anything, but I met him once. <laughs> sure. I would say that, that a, a difference is that, that he can sort of see uh, the others that are vying for that very narrow window of public uh, time and attention and, and the channels and the TV shows and all the things. He can sort of see his competition. Mm -hmm. It's much It's much different being a writer you labor in in, in solitary uh, conditions. You focus on uh, your craft and what you think is going to work. You really don't have any way to stand up in front of an audience and test your material. You have to write the whole thing, sure. refine it, polish it, spend a year or more on it, and then send it off and find out if, if, the, if the gatekeepers think it's any good. And right. of course the gatekeepers are just the first step. The public has to embrace it. There's so many things you have to do. And I, I never have the sense that there are other people in front of me. It is more that I am blocking my own way, hmm. that I'm responsible for my success. And if a book doesn't work, it's because I miscalculated. If I'm not succeeding, if I'm not getting enough written, it's because I'm not trying hard enough. I don't know that I think it's like waiting and lying. I think I think it's more like getting up and, and 
going to the mines every day and mining for gold, you know, just, and you just got to, the more time you put in, the more gold you'll find. Yeah. And, and then you'll have more experience of knowing where, you know, in that particular mine, where the gold is, as opposed to digging in this shaft that has nothing going on. I like that analogy too. Yeah. Uh, so many great things happening for you. We're so glad that you could uh, take some time out for us. And again, the the film is A Dog's Purpose. It's uh, playing in theaters nationwide. And one really cool thing that I want to mention before we let you go, uh, for anybody that's listening that's a teacher or a parent, the books, A Dog's Purpose and A Dog's Journey, they're, they're being taught in schools across the country, middle school to college level. And uh, you've got a study guide and a grant even to receive copies of this. We have that all posted at livehappynow.com. But what's that feeling been like, that these two things that you made are curriculum now? I think the most gratifying letter I've gotten in a long time, I got just the other day from a teacher who said she has children who cannot be forced to read, who beg for more reading time, and kids who never engage in class who won't stop talking about a dog's purpose. So I think I think the dog's purpose series can can really get kids motivated in in school situations to put their nose to the book and read it and experience it. And kids have kids have done animal rescue and, and I've spoken at schools, fielded questions from kids and they're just very clearly uh, excited about a dog the a dog purpose series. So it has been fantastic. Well, that is great to hear, and we are very excited. Uh, I'm, I'm sure as soon as this uh, as soon as this airs, we're going to have to be in a theater somewhere. So uh, I better get to that, and we better let you get on with all the busy work that you've got uh, to do here with with this film and, and books, and probably more ideas running around in your head. We're just so glad that you were able to take some time and uh, sort of discuss the process and and your journey towards uh, having a film made and and the happiness that comes with that. We're so grateful. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. It was my pleasure. And for those of you out there who are teachers and or parents, A Dog's Purpose and A Dog's Journey are now being taught in schools across all 50 states from middle school on up to college. You can download a free study guide and sign up for a grant to receive free copies of A Dog's Purpose at livehappynow.com. Well, if you enjoyed this episode or if there's something you'd like to add or if there's something you'd like us to do differently, we'll take criticism. You can find us online, Twitter, at LiveHappy, Facebook.com slash LiveHappy, or send us an email, podcast at LiveHappy.com. For all of us here at LiveHappy, I'm J.R. Houston saying so long. Thank you for helping us live happy. <laughs>